What can you do with your love of science? We'll tell you. another episode of We Love Science, the podcast where we can tell you all of the amazing things that you can do with your love of science. We are your hosts. My name is Fatu. And I'm Shakira. And on today's show, we've got science and academia and a side of science comedy. Yes, we do. <laughs> so our special guest today is Dr. Caroline Bartman, a soon-to-be assistant professor at University of Pennsylvania in systems pharmacology and translational therapeutics. Woo! It's a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> and a science joke writer extraordinaire on the side as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Caroline, we are super excited to have you on the show today. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Nice. We are really looking forward to hearing more about your work and your career journey. But before we jump in, you know, we always like to warm up by talking about one of our favorite topics, which is food. Food! (laughs) So today's topic is, what is the best thing you ate this week? Shakira, do you want to get us started? This week! (laughs) Oh boy, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Can I remember what I ate this week? Um, okay, I'll, I can tell you what I ate this morning. <laughs> That's the best my brain can do right now. Exactly. You're not doing a lot of memorable eating, Shakira. And I don't know you should have been better. taking notes all week. Come on. I know, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. Food up on me. We usually do like favorite foods in general. So, okay. But it's fine. You switched it up. So what did I have this morning? I had cereal which is not very interesting but it's one of my favorite cereals it's um what's it called raisin bran um and I like it because it's more on the healthy side of course and um I like that the raisins in it gives it a nice sweetness so I don't have to add any sugar to it so that was my yummy wonderful breakfast this morning I feel like that was the wrong answer to this question. I'm sorry, Shakira. <laughs> I feel like Raisin Bran is like the worst cereal out there. So we're going to give us a much better answer <laughs> for what is the best thing she ate this week. <laughs> well, luckily, I was given the questions beforehand, so I prepared. <laughs> Well, so actually I was on vacation this week and I went to see my sister in New York City and she took me out for pizza. So that was my Mm. best meal of the week. What kind of pizza? Pepperoni. It was awesome. See, that's a good answer right there. Yeah. Not not healthy like raisin bread. (laughs) Pizza is always awesome, but I'm not a pepperoni fan, I will admit. (laughs) I'm more of a pineapple and ham girl. Oh, weird. <laughs> it's Hawaiian pizza. You've never had Hawaiian pizza? No. <laughs> I've had it. I don't know if I would have it again, but <laughs> fair enough. Fair I, enough. It's an acquired I, taste, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, um, I I have had it without the ham, like just pineapple on cheese pizza, and I find that very good because it's like the mm-hmm. sweet and salty. Yeah. So um, so yeah. 
I think that was a good comeback, Shakira. So we'll give you. I do not need a comeback, Miss Lady. I'm sticking with Raisin Bran. All right. All right. You stick with your Raisin Bran. I will say, um, for me, the best thing that I ate this week is um, I had dinner with a friend, um, and we caught up watching one of our favorite TV shows, and we ordered dinner in, so I had a very good burger. Um, it was a smash burger, so, like, two patties and cheese and, like, like this, like, really good barbecue aioli sauce. On the so it was good. It was good. <laughs> I feel like I'm remembering a lot delicious. of details. Yeah, it was very good. It was very good. <laughs> All right, so let's jump in now. Um, Caroline, so as I mentioned, you're an incoming assistant professor at UPenn, and you're currently a postdoctoral research fellow in the Joshua Lipanowitz Lab at Princeton University. Um, you currently study uh, whole body metabolism in cancer. You received <laughs> your PhD from the University of Pennsylvania, and you received your bachelor's from the University of Chicago. So excellent. So let's get started. Um, Give us a brief background of your field of study and the major questions that your research addresses. Definitely. Uh, so I'm really interested in like the rates of metabolic reactions or metabolic fluxes in the body. So we were all forced to take biochemistry and uh, there's really a lot known about like which reactions exist, right? Like glycolysis, the Krebs cycle. But what we don't understand as well as a field is like how fast each of those pathways goes, how active they are in each of the different tissues or in cancer. Um, so I focus on developing ways to measure those in the body. Yeah, that's really neat. Um, can you share any discoveries you've made or maybe some of the most exciting discoveries that you've made for your work? For sure. Yeah. So... We decided to focus kind of on like energy metabolism, so glycolysis and the Krebs cycle um, in cancer, because I think for many years there's been this idea that cancer has like really revved up metabolism, that since it's growing, uh, it must be making and using a lot of energy compared to the other organs in your body. Uh, but no one had really been able to measure this, actually. Uh, so we developed a way to measure it. And we actually found surprisingly that a lot of solid tumors uh, make and use energy more slowly than healthy tissues. So that was a big surprise. I think one thing that's going on is that your healthy tissues actually need a lot of energy to like do their healthy tissue thing. Um, like your kidney, you know, is filtering metabolites out of your blood. That takes a lot of energy. Um, so, that's something that we're investigating further. Hopefully, you know, eventually trying to contribute to a treatment for cancer, but right now more just about understanding like how much energy does cancer make? What nutrients does cancer use? Oh, that's really interesting. So um, just to maybe help to clarify things for our audience, you mentioned the Krebs cycle. Can you explain that a little bit more and, and kind of like what that has to do with cellular metabolism? Definitely. So uh, you may remember from biology class that uh, your cells use a form of energy called ATP to uh, like accomplish tasks. And so ATP can be made uh, by two different pathways. There's glycolysis, which is basically just splitting a glucose or a sugar molecule in half. So that makes ATP. But the Krebs cycle is 
the pathway that makes the majority of ATP. Um, and that is basically like burning nutrients like fat um, or sugar uh, and turning them into carbon dioxide. So that's the carbon dioxide that we breathe out. Um, and as a byproduct, that leads to ATP production that our cells can then use to carry out tasks. I was like, ooh, that brought me way back to like bio 101. That was a deep pull, <laughs> at least for me. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, this is giving me yeah flashbacks as well, but maybe not great flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> Learning all those pathways and the different names of yeah. all of the different enzymes. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was a rough time. I, I know. All these diagrams. I know, I know. <laughs> I know. It's horrible to memorize, but you know, very important for your body. <laughs> clearly, yes, clearly, yes. So you're currently a postdoc um, and you're wrapping up your placement right now um, at Princeton University. So what exactly does a postdoc do and what have you enjoyed the most about it? Definitely. Um, so a postdoc is kind of like a graduate student. So a researcher that works under a lab head or um, a chief scientist. And so a postdoc carries out an independent project with the goal of eventually publishing a paper that is some discovery in science. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that a good summary? <laughs> that is a good answer. But I Caroline, I know some postdocs would be so Against you comparing them to grad students and being like, I am uh, not a grad student. I have my degree. That is fair, you know. But like the day to day tasks are similar. But we are so wise and so mature. It's so bad. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> oh my god, grad student one thousand, right? Yeah. <laughs> and what have you enjoyed most about your role as a postdoc? I think being a postdoc is really fun. People love to tell you there are certainly downsides, such as not the highest salary ever. Yeah. Um, but you get to do really interesting science if you find the right lab. Mm -hmm. And you also don't have to worry about things like uh, writing grants a lot of the time and uh, supervising people. Um these things are on my mind, right? Since I'm about to start my own lab and I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I have to learn all these new things that I didn't know before. Uh, but as a postdoc, you know, you get to collaborate with people in your lab. Like I had a really amazing undergrad, um, but you also have that help from your boss, right? Like if something goes wrong, you could be like, what do you think maybe I should do next? you have those people to draw on a network around you, even though you are doing an independent project. So I felt like it was a nice balance of independence, but also you have some resources provided for you. What is something that you think you find most challenging about being um, a postdoc or maybe something you would change? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there are a few different ones. Mm -hmm. One thing I find really frustrating with, postdocs and graduate student roles uh, is the reimbursement issue. Mm -hmm. So like when you have to go to conferences, often you have to put it on your personal credit card mm -hmm. and many departments, uh, luckily not the one I'm in right now, but many departments ha have you wait until the conference happens to get that money back. 
And that is like so horrible. You're like so poor for a number of months. And especially if you're a graduate student making that even lower salary. Um, and it's it's like a work thing. It's like part of your career that your job expects of you, right? Um, so I think that's really unacceptable. I'm For my own students, I want to find a way for like lab funds uh, to pay that so they don't have to take on that financial burden. And I hope ultimately to make, you know, like, departmental policies or like a departmental system so that people don't have to do that. That's a really good point. I definitely remember that from, from grad school and you know that, yeah, that definitely is, is um, something that ends up being really frustrating, you know, because I also feel like we have technology, right? Like I feel like we have things that we can use to make solutions so that this doesn't have to happen. I know. <laughs> it's like not rocket science. You just need like a company credit card or uh, whatever. Yeah, or whatever. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Wow. But I think that's a, that's a really good point. Is there anything um, else that you can think of? Hmm. Gosh, that was my main one. Okay. Sounds you like started. you loved everything about being a postdoc. That's amazing. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, there being a grad student or being a postdoc, there I'm going to compare them again. But being a scientist is hard, right? Like sometimes you have weeks or months when like things aren't working, or you're frustrated. Like, where am I going with this? I'm in a dead end, uh, and those times are really hard for everyone. And like everyone has that in their project. So that's horrible. I don't think there's a way to get rid of that issue. But I think, you know, some mentors do a better job in supporting people through those challenges, both like emotionally being like, this happens to everyone. Like, you're not an idiot. Like things fail sometimes. And then also like intellectually being like, maybe you should try like X, Y, Z, like maybe you should switch projects, you know, like trying to find a solution out of those challenging periods. I think that, yeah, I think that that does definitely make a difference. I feel like it's like with everything, right? Like sometimes it's it's the environment and the people you work with, right? More so than almost anything else that can really kind of impact that experience. Yeah, definitely. So um, you are going to be an assistant professor very soon. What are some of the things that you're looking forward to in setting up your own lab? Yeah, I'm super excited to like hire people and have my own group. Um, like I, I personally have benefited so much from like amazing mentors and amazing support. Um, and exactly what you just said, like, you want to be working in a place where you're excited to go to work. You're like inspired by your colleagues. Everyone feels like supported in that environment. And you like can't, even if your science is like so interesting, you're not going to be happy going to work unless you enjoy your colleagues. Right. So trying to like build that sort of experience, which I was lucky to have in previous labs is like, it's going to be a challenge, you know, like, cause you're starting from, you're trying to build a community from nothing, but uh, it's something I'm really hopeful and excited for. Oh, that's awesome. That's really great. I like that energy that you come with. Um, what are you going to focus on with regards to research? Will it still be in cancer metabolism? Um, something a little bit different than what you're doing now, parallel to what you're doing now? 
Yeah. So I'm going to keep doing cancer metabolism and then also extend it a little. So my like tagline is going to be that my lab is going to study cells with extreme metabolism. So like cancer and immune cells, because both have kind of like unusual metabolism compared to your normal adult tissues, which tend not to be dividing. They tend not to be like responding to insults the way your immune system does. Um, So I'm hoping that since they both have kind of like weird metabolism, you could uh, drug their metabolism to treat diseases like cancer or autoimmunity. Hmm. What about muscle cells, Caroline? Those must have extreme metabolisms too, no? I I imagine. Yes. No, that's a great point. And, uh, you know, it's all in like which aspect of metabolism is extreme because like exercise, right, is a huge change that happens for muscle and like some metabolites go up like 50 fold, 100 fold when you run a marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it would be really cool to do more studies of those type of pathways in muscle cells for sure. Although I, you know, would not want to kill your muscle cells. So it would be a different kind of intervention that you'd be studying. <laughs> cool. Um, can you also speak maybe a little bit about what your experience has been like as a woman in science and any advice that you would give to other women who are interested in following a similar career path? For sure. Yes. Uh, this is a really important one, I think. Mm-hmm. I've been lucky to have, I think, a pretty smooth experience, you know. Um, however, there have been situations where I feel like men respect the opinions of my male colleagues more than me, you know? Uh, And what happens very often is that I'm in situations where I'm the only woman in the room. Right. Mm. And that is like, you know, it doesn't make me uncomfortable. Everyone's supportive and polite, but like you always feel that right. When you're the only one. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just, like in my own group, I would love to be able to, you know, support that environment where women don't even think about the fact that they're a woman. Like we're all just scientists together. We're all working as a team and everyone feels like equally heard and supported. Um, I mean, I think there are a lot of reasons, um, you know, like grad students and postdocs are pretty much like half, half, maybe even more women than men, but you start to lose the women as you go along the (laughs) career route. And there are a lot of reasons for that. I mean, there is some bias, but I think there are a lot of things like low salary at a time of like an age when people are trying to start families and have some stability. So I think, you know, as my career advances, trying to support like childcare funds for postdocs, like stuff like that, uh, where, you know, you could give it to women and men, but the outcome may be that you end up supporting women uh, to make it a little easier to stay in the career path. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. So, um, yeah. So, Shakira, um, any additional questions that you have for Carolyn? Um, I guess I'm curious about the type of lab structure maybe that you're hoping to have like are you expect are you hoping to have a smaller lab with more teaching or will you be one of those like big lab factories with <laughs> lots of grad <laughs> students and lots of postdocs and you're pumping out data and pumping out papers 
tell us <laughs> what, what yeah. do you do for yourself? It's a great question. I mean, gonna start small for sure because that's <laughs> I'm hiring people one at a time. <laughs> what can we do? I like 10 years from now, I think I dream of having a lab that's like 10 or 12 people because I've benefited a lot in labs from having enough people there that like you can collaborate within the lab and like you can go to the PI, but you can also go to experience people around you, you know, like every 10 minutes if something goes wrong, you know, and having that kind of knowledge base in the lab, I think is tricky when you have like a five person lab, let's say. On the other hand, when a lab gets like extremely big, then maybe you don't see the PI as much. Maybe some of the projects are like not receiving as much support or not progressing. So I'm hoping to strike a balance between those two extremes, I guess. Cool. Sounds reasonable. Great. Hope it works out that way. <laughs> we, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we, we will be following you, Caroline, and wish you much, much success. Yes. I feel like the early days in a lab are always so exciting. When I was in grad school, I was um, the first graduate student for my advisor. So I literally remember walking in and like very few things being out on lab benches and like unpacking the boxes with her and being like, <laughs> where should we put the centerfuge? You know, so yeah, those times are definitely really exciting, you know? Um, yeah, so I think it's it's going to be, like, such an amazing and memorable time. Definitely they're going to be ups and downs. But, like, with anything, you know, when you're starting off, it's also just, like, there's so much excitement going into it. So I'm excited for you. Aw, thank you. <laughs> for all of this. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, thanks for talking with us today. It was really great hearing about your work. Um, and before we jump into the during segment, if anyone is interested in sort of learning more about your research, or maybe they even happen to be, you know, in the Philly area and maybe want to join a lab. What is the best way for them to reach you? Oh, my goodness. Yes, I would love that. Please join my lab. <laughs> <laughs> or read read my papers. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, more than five people read a paper. Like, an academic is so happy. <laughs> um, let's see. Yeah, Twitter is a good way if you just search my name. And then I have a lab website if you Google the Bartman lab. So that has all my contact details on it as well. Okay, And we'll also include those in our show notes for our audience. So um, we'll have all that information up there and get to it. Super. So really quick, before we start the journey segment, um, we are going to let you, Caroline, teach us a little bit with a little Q&A. So I will hand the hosting duties over to you. And go ahead and throw, you know, a couple questions at us and let's see how Shakira and I do. <laughs> Definitely. Well, I came up with one. So as I mentioned, for my postdoc work, uh, I developed ways to measure these pathways that make ATP in. We focused on cancers, but we also measured a bunch of healthy tissues. So if you take all the healthy tissues in the body, and I'm going to give you some options, uh, which one do you think makes and uses energy the fastest. Okay, is it the heart, the kidney, or the skin? Ooh, interesting. I'd say the heart. I feel like because, to me, the heart is also obvious. <laughs> I'm not going to go with the heart. I'm going to go with the kidneys. 
Well, maybe I was too obvious because Shakira's right. It is the heart. <laughs> 10 points. Yes. <laughs> we are not keeping score. <laughs> Why not? Excellent. That is so cool. So, and this is, I'm assuming because the heart is muscle tissue, right? And The heart is a muscle that's constantly working. Diaphragm is similar because you're constantly breathing, so it's always active. Yeah. Cool. Very instructive. Thank you, Caroline. Excellent. Caroline, thanks again so much for chatting with us today. It was a pleasure hearing about your work and all about ATP and all that energy that our cells need and our bodies need. And I know that my raisin brand this morning really helped to give me a lot of energy. <laughs> I do not want to hear okay. it. I do not want to hear it. <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that in there. Okay, so we'd like to say thank you to our listeners for supporting the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, like, and share. To learn more about our guest journey, be sure to listen to the next journey episode. And you can reach out to us by email at lovesciencepodcast at gmail.com. Please send any questions, comments about the show, or suggestions for guests that you'd like to hear on the show. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time.